0: welcome to this grit and grace life you've got questions we've got answers from the boardroom to the bedroom car lines to college single married or single again we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life
1: welcome to this grit and grace life i'm darlene Brock. hey go hey i'm julie bender all right, Julie. I have long ago, actually, been through the teenage years. So long ago. So long ago and far away. A distant memory that's mostly positive. Um, but you have them
0: ahead of you. I'm, yeah, I'm almost a tween. Not quite. When does tween start? Like 11. Oh, okay. Well, 12. Something like that, yeah. 10, 11, 12? I don't yeah. know. Lincoln's nine and a half. He's not, he's not tween yet, but it's on the horizon. So yeah. I'm really starting to pay more attention to, you know, parenting advice for the teen years. There was an episode we did
1: early on This Grit and Grace Life with Dr. Zoe that spoke about it. We're going to bring that back today, but... You know, in addition to that, we thought we would just chat about what all parents who have teens know
0: and what the teen acts like in their lives. Mm. All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. But we know we're supposed to be preparing our teenagers for life, but it's hard when they already know everything. (laughs) I think that's just kids in general, but I hear it really amps up in the teenage years. Yeah.
1: They they think they're really, really smart in those years. uh, And you know, they, they are ish (laughs) and they're not and they're not that's funny every teen becomes helpful with your grocery list when the last of the junk food he
0: or she craves
1: has been consumed it's like well you don't care
0: if we ran out of vegetables but those chips are very important to you yeah and you say it repeatedly to me to make sure i get it at the (sighs) store sounds like a husband as well when your children become teenagers you might want to get a dog so someone is happy to see you i don't i don't even know that i'm gonna go all the way there though Dar. You're not going to get no. a dog. You're just going to say don't be I happy. I don't need a dog. <laughs> <I'm> happy schmappy.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you want your house to seem cleaner, close the door of your teenager's room. I mean, yes, I could definitely see that. Yeah, it's true. Actually, I have to say of my two daughters, it was true of one and not necessarily of the other. Well, I mean, that just
0: feels like classic sibling differences, right? It
1: is, for sure. Totally.
0: What about this? You're doing a victory dance because you asked a question and received a five-word sentence in response.
1: It's the truth, Julie. Because they can say no, yes, I don't
0: know, maybe, hmm. That's it. Well, and I know you've always talked about your girls being so different. Were there times where you would have celebrated Lauren? I mean, sorry, one of your daughters giving only a five-word response (laughs) and the other giving a lengthy five-word response? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. My
1: elder Lauren, indeed is true. She knows it. We say it. When she was two and started talking, she woke up in the morning and started talking and went to bed and quit. (sighs) So she was my very verbal, told me everything that went on. And, you know, Chelsea was
0: fine, good. Uh-huh. Even when she was younger, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> I have two of those. All right. The scariest thing about raising a teen is remembering what you did when you were that age. Uh, <sighs> yeah, it, it is
1: scary, but it's also informative, ladies. <laughs> you know, you go, all right, I survived it. I didn't do anything too bad, hopefully, you know, or
0: even the, the ones I did that weren't all that great it came out okay. And I'm fine now. There you go. Well, like we said, today we're going to be talking all about the teen years. And with that, we're going to revisit an old episode with Dr. Zoe Shaw. Now she's been a staple here at Grit and Grace Life for quite a long time, and we've been encouraged by her wisdom, insight, and help as we tackle life. Dr. Zoe is a licensed psychotherapist, author, relationship expert, and mother
1: of five, having released her first book, A Year of Self-Care. She now has a
0: second one coming out, Julie, that's about the struggle with shame. I know. I can't wait to read it. We recorded this interview with her a few years ago dealing on life with teenagers, the normal actions of this age, as well as what should concern us, and most of all, how we can deal with this potentially tumultuous time. So go back in time with us to this wealth of knowledge on raising teens. Dr. Zoe, we know moms may find themselves in a season of difficulty with their teen. We might be wondering when enough is enough and what is the difference between just a teenage angst and when it's something more.
1: So there's a difference to me, Zoe, with uh, teen rebellion and teen angst and teen attitude. You know, those are real life things. And then there's a point where you go, I think my child's in trouble or has crossed a line. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that difference is and what it looks like?
2: Absolutely. So... Yes, when it comes to teenagers, they can seem extremely crazy and irrational, and like maybe they have a psychological disorder. But. It's- <laughs> called being a teenager. So I think that's a good question, because it can seem really crazy. But if you think back to when you were a teenager, and some of those roller coaster emotions and thoughts that you had, even the times that maybe you couldn't stand your parents, and you snuck out and did things you weren't supposed to do, um, that would be normal teenage behavior. When you get um, issues that can come up in teenagehood with sex, with drugs, Alcohol, crime, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you have to look at them, and it goes back to, you know, patterns or, or obsession or how much it is being done. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a teenager, obviously, a good indicator would be grade slipping, would be um, changing of friends, would be how much time is being spent in isolation, mm-hmm. would be think knowing about some of the thoughts that they have. Including moms snooping on your kids, looking at their social media and text, because here's the reality. Kids don't have diaries anymore. (laughs) They post, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And we can learn so much about our children and their lives and their friends' lives just by keeping up with their social media Mm -hmm. and keeping up with their texting and their messaging because that's where they tell the truth. So are you suggesting every
1: mother should be a Facebook friend and should be uh, following your child on Twitter or whatever Kids format they on Twitter Dar. I know that's old isn't it <laughs> whatever format they're on are you saying follow them you have to make them
2: friend you darling I'm not suggesting it I'm saying it is imperative. Mm for parents to know what their children are doing. Now, whether you make them friend you or not, (laughs) you need to be connected with them and or you need to have be able to see what's in their phone. So, you know, if for some reason they don't want to friend you, although, you know, my kids, I'm friends with them. They're friends with me on all our social media. Um, But if for some reason that doesn't happen or you don't want that to happen, then you need to have access to it. At Absolutely. All I agree with and, that. And you're paying for it anyway. The reality is you're
1: paying for that cell phone, so you should have access.
2: You are. You are. And you know, I have I know therapists that will tell parents, you need to let them have their privacy. And I think that that might have been really good advice when a child was writing in a diary. But in this culture and this time, we have to understand that the world is out there to eat our children. Mm. And that's a reality, not because the world wants to, but because of the way it's situated and set up, that it is so very dangerous, the Internet world. And just like you don't let your two-year-old run out into the street without you, letting your child be free on the Internet without any type of supervision is is deadly. It can be deadly. So, okay. yes, I think it's imperative. Not so, that you Not not, not that it's nice.
1: (laughs) Okay, what do you say, Dr. Zoe, when that teenager looks at you in the eye and says, you don't trust
2: me, mom. Why don't you trust me? What's your answer? Well, it's two things. Number one, you need to let your kid know that you love them Mm -hmm. and that you remember being a teenager yourself. And so it's not that you don't trust them as a person, but you understand how their brain works Mm -hmm. and that sometimes, sometimes it doesn't make the best decisions because of their age, not because of who they are as a person. That's That's number one. Number two is that you don't have to, it's not them that you have to trust necessarily. It's the rest of the world because you are aware of the influence that the rest of the world has on them. So it's not them. It's the rest of the world. It's not who they are, but it's just where they are developmentally. And you know, the reality is they're still going to say it. But it will, they will understand it despite the fact that they're still going to come back with you don't
0: trust me. And they're not going to like it that you're saying and, it, but they'll eventually understand.
2: Right. And here's the other thing. If they haven't done things that are trustworthy, it's okay to let your kid know that you don't trust them. Mm. It's okay to say when you do these things, when you lie to somebody, when you break the rules, when you've demonstrated that when you're not with me you're not making good choices, then that's what I have to go on. And not just me, but everybody else in the world. And so until that changes and you're demonstrating different things, then no, it wouldn't be wise for me as a parent to trust you.
1: So you're trying to protect them from themselves to a degree because they are young and the world is, as you say, out to eat them. Um, But how do you what do you do to surround them other than just know what's going on are there things and you know i kind of want to talk about if your child's not crossed the line and then we'll talk about when your child's in the deep end so let's talk now about the kids that are just normal rebellion that are sneaking out of the window occasionally that may you know (laughs) may be driving too fast in the car unbeknownst to you um how do you try to to protect them from the things that are going on outside of just social media
2: Yes. So I I think that's a good point because I think I know that teenagehood has to be a point of letting go, Mm -hmm. right? And still supervising at the same time. And so unless it is one of those big ones that we talked about crime, drugs, alcohol, you know, excessive sex, things like that, or inappropriate sex, then you really need to let them go. You need to sometimes, especially when it comes to looking at their texting or looking at some things they're putting on social media, it can make you cringe. But if it's just an expression, what you don't want to do is micromanage their life or attempt to, because they're just going to sneak even more and do it um, in ways that are not healthy. So those are the times that you got to shut up as a mom or a dad, and you've got to let them work those things out. But What you need to do is know that those are issues going on with your kids. And so you can talk about them and bring them up in ways that are not associated with what they're actually doing, if that makes sense. It does. And
1: I know I found with my teenage daughters at the time they were teenagers, if I wanted to have a conversation with them, I had to not have it when I wanted to have it. Mm -hmm. And I had to look for a completely... New, It's like I had to find Switzerland to go yeah. sit down and have a real conversation with them because you can't do it when you're just bursting with emotion. You've got to find neutral territory.
2: Absolutely. And that is so true. And I think that moms, and it's just natural, especially when you find something out and it's freaking you out a little bit, you want to just jump Not on it. And want to do that. And that's your natural instinct because it's your baby and you want to protect them. But what you have to recognize too, is that you have to speak in a way that they can hear you and they're not going to hear that desperation because they're just going to hear it as you being a nag and you being out of control and blowing up about nothing. And so you do have to find those times when you can, you know, address it, that they can hear it.
1: Okay. So Let's say we've kept that we've we have insulated them to a degree. We've set the rules. We have protected them in the ways we can. We have access to their social media, but then we discover that they're in trouble. Yeah, that they are uh, hanging with kids that are leading them down roads that they shouldn't go. Or you know, you're finding the drugs hidden in their drawers. Or you're you know you're catching inc- you know little signs of maybe she's cutting or maybe you know some of the real scary stuff. When that happens dr zoe what mm-hmm. what does a mom do?
0: Well, a mom freaks out,
1: yes, absolutely, <laughs>
0: and, yeah, okay, so that's allowed, okay, uh, on the inside and in a secret, you know appropriate place, separate from your child, right?
2: Okay. so I think it's it's so okay to recognize that. I'm feeling desperate, and I'm scared, and I'm I'm terrified. And really, what you're terrified is that you're screwing up as a parent, and you're mm-hmm. terrified that your kid is going to have a life that you know on the streets, in prison,
0: and you go straight <laughs> to worst case scenario, right? So yes, okay. you do. If okay. I've already had those thoughts, yes, I can imagine you have those thoughts with an actual <laughs> teenager. Oh, yeah. the struggle!
2: It is a struggle. And so, what you have to do is try to tame that a little bit. And just like you said, Darlene, take a break and then come to them, and you need to address it straight on, head on. I found these drugs. Can We We need to talk about it, and are you going to be honest with me? And you need to talk with your kid, with whether it's cutting, whether it's sex, drugs, alcohol. You need to be as direct as possible and try to give them the opportunity to be as direct with you as possible, which means you have to shut up and you have to listen, and you have to give them an idea that you understand to some extent how and why they got to this point. That's step number one. Step number two, I think that any parent who notices that there's any type of drug or alcohol abuse needs to go straight to Walgreens, and you need to get a test. You can get drug testing, and you test your kid. And you let your kid know that they are going to be tested on a regular basis. The thing at Walgreens tells you how often you need to test to whatever. And it will tell you whatever things are in your child's system. We need to know this kind of information. Mm. And then you know at least what it is that you're tackling. That's good. I think that some things can certainly be handled within the family for a certain amount of time or tried. And I'm, I'm going to go back to that, you know, Same thing kind of with marriage, you know, whether it's a week or six months, I think it's fine to attempt to address those things within your family. But you have to make changes. So if they're doing drugs, you need to find out which friends they're doing the drugs with. Mm -hmm. And you need to be adamant that those friends need to be out of your child's life. You need to have an agreement that your child wants to stop. If your child does not want to stop, then you need to go straight to therapy.
0: Interesting. Wow. That's really like specific and helpful.
2: Yeah. And I think as a, as a mom, you go, I
1: I don't want him to be mad at me. I don't, am I out of my mind? Am I overreacting? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, am I, am I, am I? I don't want to bring it up too soon or I'll push them
0: even further Further away. away.
1: Um, But that's not true. We need, I mean, we need to jump in. Like if they were running out in front of a car, we would run out after him. We
2: need to take the same tact on the teenager. Correct. Absolutely. We need to jump in immediately. But like I said, you jump in immediately with, the, with understanding or helping them to understand that you get them. You're not jumping in to punish. You're not jumping in to condemn. You're jumping in to say, this is a problem. I don't think this is okay for your life for these reasons. And you need to maybe write them out or, or, or know what they are for you and your family. And we have to address this. And you'll probably get a much different response than if you're freaking out and yelling and screaming and, you know, deciding that your 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 kid is destined for whatever those horrible things are. But yes, you have to address it head on. And when it comes to drugs and alcohol, I,
0: don't, I wouldn't say there is anything that is too little. Hmm. Nothing. So, well, you just mentioned, um, you know, a punishment or a consequence. Is there a punishment or a consequence with, say, drugs or alcohol? Or there's just, now I'm testing you and this needs to stop?
2: Well, you know... I think it depends on the age of your kids, first of all. If we're talking about a twelve year old versus maybe a sixteen or seventeen year old, at some point the punishment and consequence is not as important as the lesson, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then you know, then it goes to natural consequences. So if you're looking at a sixteen or seventeen year old who may be smoking pot, who may have dabbled in, you know, some drugs at a party, I mean, you can punish it. But how, what is that really going to help when two years later, they're going to be out in the world and they have the opportunity to do it? Mm-hmm. I think at that point, there's more of consequence than punish. So when it goes to, to friends, like I said, you may call it a punishment, like I am not okay with you associating with these friends anymore. Now, they'll certainly feel that as a punishment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But if you talk to them about why it is, And why it's so important and that it's not a punishment as much as, excuse me, as it is a consequence to that action and more preventative as long as they agree that they want to stop. If they don't want to stop, like I said, you need to go to therapy, rehab, and then it's more of a mandate. But still, I wouldn't necessarily call it a punishment. Do you ground a kid from activities or, or things like that? I would say no. It's a deeper issue than that. So
1: they say to you, okay, fine, mom, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to buy any more dope or I'm not going to do whatever the do is. And you believe them. And then you find it again.
2: Well, no, you don't believe them. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) I like that. I I actually like that.
1: So we're supposed to be (laughs) suspicious and uh, very confrontational as mothers. I'm in. Okay.
2: Absolutely. No, once again, people show you who they are. So there's absolutely no reason to believe them when they say it for a couple of reasons. Number one, if they're utilizing this as self-medicating, there's a reason. Mm. So we need to understand what the reason is and put in healthier um activities or things that they can uh, use to deal with whatever issues are going on with them. Um, And number two, they might actually have some form of addiction. And so, no, there's no reason why you should believe that this is going to happen in terms of stopping immediately, which is why I say you drug test, because the drug test will tell the truth.
0: That's
2: good. That way you will know what's really going on. Um, And then over time what you do is you do set consequences, but no, you don't believe them. Okay. So
1: let's say they've even progressed further that you're in counseling and you're trying to get them help and their actions hurting your entire family.
2: Mm. What's
1: your neck? What do you do? Because parents find themselves in this place
2: parents do and so if you have addressed it directly with them, if they have agreed you know to stop and your drug testing um, or you know even if it's sex stuff too it, you know it's all, all of it kind of falls under some of the same things when we talk about self-soothing and medicating um, and it isn't stopping and or they are unwilling for it to stop then it's time for intervention and intervention might be rehab intervention might be, Finding a safer place for them to be and go if it is hurting the family. Now, what I if, what I don't believe in at all is giving up on your kid. Agreed. Totally because agree. They are kids, and number one, the whole family created this dynamic. Kids don't exist in a vacuum, and they react and they respond to their environment. And so we are responsible for it as much as they are responsible for it to a certain extent. And we'll go to that part as well. Ultimately, they do make their own decisions. But I don't believe in giving up on your child. And so if it is your last or is your only, I don't believe that there is ever really a good reason that that child needs to be removed from the home unless the child is being violent toward you. If you have other children in the home though, that's a whole nother situation. If those children are being exposed to things that are hurting them, if those children um, are, you know, are seeing things that are not okay, then that might be a time when you need to take a next step which I don't believe should be permanent but that maybe that child might need to be removed from your home for a certain period of time. While the family remains in contact and therapy
1: your goal to me is restoration no matter what the problem is you want their health their life your family to be restored so i agree dr zoe i don't think you ever give up and you never you know i've seen families who've said kicked him out i don't want you in my life and that just seems so i understand it but at the same time something that
2: permanent seems as if it will nail the coffin it does nail the coffin, and to be honest with you, something that permanent is usually about the parent and not about the child. It's about an issue that the parent has with them and themselves that maybe the child is triggering um, that they aren't able to look at and deal with. Um, but like I agree with you, Darlene, you you don't give up on your kids. You just don't. Um, and and restoration is always the goal there. And it is possible. It is possible, even if there needs to be a separation. It is possible.
0: So if there needs to be a separation, are we talking about finding a friend that would be willing to keep the child while they pursue therapy with you and, you know, on their own? Are we talking about if it's drugs, finding a rehab somewhere nearby where you can visit frequently? Those kinds of things?
2: That's absolutely, yes. Friend or and or family member and or, yes, rehab. Got it. And seeking out a therapist for for connections for rehab. And places like that would be a good a good place to start.
1: Okay, what's the balance Dr. Zoe between I don't want to bear the responsibility the entire or the guilt of I must have been a horrible mother and I did everything wrong and you know I have totally screwed my kid up and to well I, there are some things that I should have done different, but I'm a good mom and he's a good or she's a good kid. And we just maybe stepped off for a little bit.
2: Yes. And that is the internal battle that I think every parent goes through no matter what issue your kid is going through. And kids mm-hmm. go through issues. So whether, you know, your kid is, you know, way off the deep end or they're just, you know, throwing temper tantrums, I think it always goes back to mom guilt, mom guilt, mm-hmm. mom guilt. Mm-hmm. And-
0: Episode 17.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so what you have to do is give yourself grace because just like I said, the reality is our children are steeped in our family environment. We were steeped in our family environment growing up and we are who we are and we do the best we can. Most of us do the best we can. And so yes, we all put holes in our children. The best, very best mother will put holes in our children and those holes actually are necessary for creating strength in our children long-term. And so I also say don't give up on your child because teenagehood, they're still developing. And yeah, they might go way off the deep end, but it doesn't mean that they won't come back if you know that you continue to instill positive things in them. And so even if you have messed up as a parent, as long as you are alive, your kid needs you. And there's still opportunity to invest Really good things in them. You have to do some of your own work. Um, but ultimately, so when it comes to if we look at temperament, personality, and how kids develop, right? The same parent can do the same thing to one child and have a very different outcome. Oh boy. Doing the exact same thing to a second child. And that is based on temperament and personality. And so we cannot take on that full responsibility in terms of blame, I think as parents, we do what we can and know that we've planted seeds and what they are supposed to be is what they are going to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
1: Totally makes sense. And I I do think that imperfect parents make great kids and that's just fine. And that's as it should be. It's just being willing when you're in a position where, you know, you feel like you're not, communicating with this little human that you don't understand at all um, to say it's going to get better. And in the small things, you know, the normal rebellion, the stomping up the stairs and saying, I don't like you and you want to go, well, I don't like you either right now. So that works for both of us. Um, You know, you need to know that there will be a day where you can really truly reconnect.
2: Yes, that is so true. If, if you are willing to continue to stay in it and continue to do the hard things with your kids, talk about the hard things with your kids and be there. I think the problems when you look at adults who have absolutely no relationships with their parents is that the pain got too great and parents weren't willing to stick in it. And when it comes to to childhood and adulthood and parental child relationships, the parent is 100% responsible for maintaining and creating a relationship with a child until they are an adult. After that point, whatever adulthood is, it seems to be just expanding into the 30s these days. (laughs) (laughs) Then the responsibility is 50-50. But up until that point, it's 100% the parent's responsibility to maintain that relationship. And some parents, especially ones who have been wounded, tend to try to make some of that, put some of that responsibility on their child. And it, it shouldn't be.
1: Well, and you cannot go through a child's teenage years without having your heart stabbed, Mm -hmm. even in the the little things or the big things. You will be hurt. You will be, you will feel like that child does not love me. That child does not care about me. That child just told me that if I was out of their life, they would be a happier person.
2: Mm -hmm. And it hurts. It hurts it does it hurts and it's devastating because you know just like the disney princess dream that we have as mom as, as women getting married we also have that same princess type it's not princess what is it but it's that same kind of fantasy of I'm going to have this baby and they're going to love me and I'm going to love them and it's going to be so perfect and I'm going to be the best mom, not like my mom. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and, And life happens. And the reality is, yes, Darlene, you've been through it. I'm going through it. And you're right. They hurt you because they're human and we're human. And we do ha- tend to feel that way, that they don't appreciate, and I've given all of this, and I'm doing all of this. And we take it personally when it's not personal. It's their development.
1: It it's is. Yeah. personal. And you need to realize that from about the time they're 12 or 13 until they're usually in their tw- early 20s, that mm-hmm. you become dumb as a brick Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they just know that they understand life, and you don't. Uh, but you get really smart again when they're in their early 20s. It's amazing how your brilliance has gone through the roof.
2: Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's so true. And I remember, I mean, I look back, and maybe Julie, you can look back and remember going through that, you know, with your parents or your caretakers. Um, I think of adolescence as and a, a teen so okay, so when I think about adolescence, I think of this is a adult body that's going through toddlerhood. Mm. So it's the same developmental process. And you look at a toddler and it's, no, I can do it. Me do it, right? And they're trying to assert this independence. And then in the next second, it's mommy, I need you. Mommy, mommy, right? Mm -hmm. And adolescents are going through that same. The problem is it's in an adult body and they're expressing it in a totally different way that's not nearly as cute as the (laughs) toddler. But they need us in the exact same way. And that's a really good
0: example. I like that a lot. Um, so keeping in mind that I don't have a teenager, um, but as I'm hearing you guys talk through, um, you know, the kinds of things that are important to do and to not do when you see your, your child going through these, um, normal, and then maybe moving more into struggles that are maybe less normal, but more serious. Something I keep thinking, is this the type of season where you really want to make sure there's someone in your child's life that you trust? Um, That they trust um, that can be a mentor, so to speak, someone who's maybe a safe person for both of you um, that can kind of help share that, um, you know, uh, that shepherding type of relationship with your child. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point because, you know,
2: as a teenager, it's hard to share things with your parents. Mm -hmm. You know how your parents feel and you know your parents get all uptight over little things, Mm -hmm. whether even when they try not to show it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard as a teenager to be able to kind of share your development, you know, in that way with your parents. And so having somebody and a parent really starting that is great. I have that with my kids their godmother, my best friend Rosie and her husband. We have set up for both and I am the same with their children and their children have come to me and told me things that they can't tell, you know, their parents. And my kids have told my, you know, Rosie and and Kevin the same thing. And it's important and having a kid know that there's another adult Mm -hmm. Someone who has some kind of wisdom that can hear them out makes such a difference because otherwise they go to their friends, right? And it's Mm -hmm. blind leading to blind. So scary. scary. And so I think it's important to set that up. If you have a friend or you know there's someone in your community that um, could be of help and is willing to invest in your kid please, please, please reach out to them and have let him have or her have those conversations with your kids so that your kids know that there's someone they can turn to and give your kids that permission too, knowing mm-hmm. and understanding that that's a natural phenomenon that you don't want to always share everything with your parents.
1: Yeah, we have a couple in a family that we're real close to that my daughters call their bonus mom and dad and their bonus mm-hmm. family. It's like the add on and it works really well because they can say things that I can't.
0: Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that I'm seeing. Like it seems like, if you wait until your child may need this person, it might be too late. They might see right through your plan. So even you know, trying to think when they're younger, um, you know, if they're five, six, seven, you know, who who do they have a connection with? outside of me and or their dad um, that I can really foster that relationship to continue to be connected. So as they get into those more difficult years, they already feel like they have another safe person that they can be a part of.
2: Right. I think that's a really good point is that that connection, you know, needs to already be there to some extent. And for that person to go to your kid and let them know, you know, hey, listen, um, I'm here. And I have to say that I, I don't know about other women and I don't know about you, Darlene, but for me initially there was a kind of a feeling of jealousy. Like, wait, why are you, sh- I'm your, your parent. Why are you sharing this information with somebody else and not me? But I think as parents we have to get over ourselves and recognize that it's about what's in the best interest of our kid, right? Oh. Not about our feelings.
1: No, and every I think every mom has that. I, I'm the mom. Nobody else <laughs> needs to be that. And so, yeah, you do always have that emotion. But then... You know, you realize I have seen, of course, now with my adult daughters, I have seen rich relationships that have made them so much stronger from other women
0: that I'm Mm -hmm. really thankful for that I couldn't have done. So
2: absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's great. That's good. Well, I'm going to make sure when I put the show notes together for this episode that I first link back to the other episodes you've joined us on, Dr. Zoe, because we always love hearing from you. I'm just so encouraged every time we get to be together um, by your wealth of knowledge in so many different areas. So I'll make sure to link um, link to those. But I also want to just give you a chance to share with everyone how they connect with you um, outside of this time, your social media handles, your own podcast show. Um, maybe they even want to get in touch with you because you do... Um, Um, have the ability to be uh, their therapist even remotely. So share a little bit about how someone may connect with you outside of this Good Grace Life podcast.
2: Absolutely. So my website is www.drzoeshaw.com, D-R-Z-O-E-S-H-A-W, com and all of my social handles are Dr. Zoe Shaw and my podcast is called the Dr. Zoe Show Redefining Your Superwoman and you can find that
0: on iTunes, Libsyn, Google and Stitcher I believe all of the things yeah so we will make sure that that's easy for you to click over and find her so Dr. Zoe when it comes to teenagers uh,
1: their privacy is not paramount we need to step in when we see trouble and we need to go in like a bowl in a china shop is that correct <laughs>
2: That is correct. And when when we say their privacy is not paramount, I think the illusion of privacy is very important. And so I think it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah for us to respect that, but still we need to know. So we need to snoop and we need to see things and we only need to bring them up when they are big major.
1: Yes. That's perfect. Perfect.
0: Well, thanks again for sharing with us on this episode and we will certainly be having you back again soon.
1: Julie, we love the tips Dr. Zoe gave us for this confusing time for, you know, both you and your teen, which is why we decided to bring it back because I think it's very valuable. And we truly believe bringing this conversation back will
0: help you handle those teen years. You know me, I am saving this one to revisit again and again when my time comes. Well, Dar, can you give us a Bible verse to close it out? Yeah, this is my favorite Bible verse in everything in life, but I think it really applies to
1: the teen years. It's Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything, including dealing with raising and (laughs) managing my teens through Christ
0: who gives me strength. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for more resources on loving and leading your teens, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.